Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, the Bombers have got a new coach, and I want to hear from you, Bombers fans. one 736 736 I've got to tell me why I'm wrong. We'll speak NRL, we'll speak NBL, we'll speak AFLW, and plenty more. Yes, indeed. Good evening. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Hope you've had as great a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It is wonderful to have you on board right here, right now on the Sporting Capital. You can give me a bell at any stage, one 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts, or you can text in on the 40 Winks temper text, 0433 98 Um Essendon fans, we're going to start with you because I'd love to hear from you. This should be a really exciting night for you. Paul Barham, uh, after Mark Robinson had the story earlier on this afternoon, Paul Barham, the coaching process was diligent in its approach and detailed in its execution, began with a shortlist of 22, included a demanding interview process, game-style presentations and more. So after all of that's gone on, a a 22-candidate list, has been whittled down to one, and Brad Scott um, is the new coach of the Essendon Football Club. We believe Brad has all the attributes to be a long-term coach of the Essendon Footy Club. He's a strong leader who will drive standards and establish a winning culture. So Mitch Clear had been reporting for a little while that the interest had been bubbling away between Essendon and Brad, who officially was the AFL operations manager, so the season uh, winds down, and then Brad uh, officially says, yep, I'm keen to go through the interview process, apparently they'd been having some chats um, uh, unofficially uh, in the build-up to that. And then when he was able to and his duties were done for season 2022, he said, yep, I'll be interviewed. Was interviewed today for the first time officially and announced tonight as the new coach of the Essendon Footy Club. So I would love to hear from Bombers fans. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen 736 uh, off the temper text. Uh, the 40 Winks and Temper text. Um, I've got a couple of uh, texts coming through already that I want to read to you. Uh, but first, this was Matty Lloyd uh, on Trade Radio speaking earlier today about Brad Scott uh, and the Bombers. 
Over 200 games of experience as a coach and then obviously what he's done in the last couple of years will also help with his role at the AFL. But some some people will say, was this set up for Brad the whole time? Surely it's been about a process that the club said has process, process, process. Is there one? All those things will come, but I, I've got faith in that he's still got to come in and present and, and yep. beat beat the others. They say James presented really well. Uze presented really well. So that he has been given a document that he has to turn up and present to today and then beat those other candidates. So rather than thinking just because Brad, who's coached before, suddenly yeah. means that he gets the job. So that was Matty Lloyd speaking on Trade Radio uh, about Brad Scott uh, and the Essendon uh, Footy Club and the process uh, involved to appoint him one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Would love to get your say. So, um, Brad Scott, uh, as you heard from Lloyd, I think it's two hundred and eleven games over nine and a half years at the North Melbourne Footy Club. A record of four and four in finals. Been to two prelims, um, and, and and widely praised for being able to take a list with all due respect to North Melbourne at the time that on paper wasn't as good as the other top four teams uh, of those seasons, and yet still won finals and got through to prelims. So uh, a very, very highly regarded coach uh, is Brad Scott. And I, and I think it's a great appointment for the Essendon Footy Club. I did use the analogy uh, during the Maccas run about proposing after the first date because that was their official first date earlier today, the first official interview. Uh, and then they've said, yep, you absolutely are the one for us. The ring comes out, down on one knee, will you? Yes. A million times yes, says Brad. And away we go. Uh, and people have taken umbrage to that, and I'm not really sure why. There's a lot of wonderful love stories that have um, evolved from a love at first sight situation, uh, proposing after the first date, because as I said before, when you have the first date, by and large in this day and age, you've been maybe messaging on Tinder or Bumble, however you've matched or met, having a few conversations before you finally agree to meet officially in person, and that's just what this is. So I, I don't understand why people are having a crack at me. It wasn't a criticism. It was just an analogy. Uh, but this has come off the text. Death, taxes, and you pulling the P155 out of Essendon. If it was heard, you'd slam us. If it was Uze, you'd be saying, I thought they were looking for an experienced coach. They get an experienced coach and hired an independent panel to do the interview, and you're still having a go. If they found Scott to be the best option, then they have done their job. Typical Sammy being an unprofessional Hawks cheerleader again. I didn't even mention the Hawks. How are things going over there, by the way? Um, well, we can have a chat about the Hawks. Not brilliantly, but, you know, long-term rebuild is underway. Um, so that's someone that clearly got upset by the analogy that I used. But I don't know why you would. I actually said it was a great appointment, and I think it is a great appointment. Um, yes, I would have been critical if it had been... Uh, James Hurd, uh, not because I don't think James Hurd should be back in footy, but I just didn't think that was the right move, in my personal opinion, for the club. I wouldn't have been disappointed if they went with Adam Uze. Um, he's, a, he's been, he apparently has interviewed twice for the job um, and apparently interviewed very, very well. Um, but unfortunately, he's missed out on, on this occasion. But um, no, I'm certainly not bagging the footy club. They did hire an independent panel um, of people who, you know, whether it be Jordan Lewis, who was a fierce opponent, or whether it be um, Rob Walls, who is a fierce critic. Um, they've really put a lot of effort into this. 22 candidates, it's come down to Brad. Um, but no, I'm not uh, bagging that at all, so I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, but one 736 736 Nick's in Clyde North. G'day, Nick. How you going? I'm good, mate. What do you think, Brad Scott? 
Yeah, I like it. I wanted him from the start, but yep. I guess I got on the hype train last week on James Hurd. So now, I don't know, it feels a little bittersweet. I'm, I mean, I'm happy for Brad Scott, but I kind of feel like I've lost a loved one with James Hurd not getting the job, but I'm still happy overall, I guess. Uh, so, Nick, what do you think that Brad will bring? Uh, hopefully a little grunt, a little stability. Like, yep. he did pretty well with what he had at North Melbourne, and I think, not being biased, I think he got a little bit better to offer at Essendon. So, hopefully, he does a couple of games better at Essendon. Yeah, Nick, I, 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 they always say that the when if you own, and I'm not comparing people to dogs, so don't get offended, but they often say that your dog takes on your personality. And we often say that teams mirror their coaches. So... The way that Brad Scott played was uncompromising, ruthless, relentless. The biggest criticism of Essendon this year, the biggest criticism has been that they pick and choose. From, from those experts and analysts have said they, they pick when and they will and when they won't defend. They were the easiest team to score against in the competition. They were wet paper bags. They were beaded doors. They offered that little resistance. I don't think a Brad Scott team is going to offer little resistance. So I think he will provide them, hopefully, with a, a more steely edge. Um, but it will obviously remain to be seen. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Jeff is of no fixed address or no fixed location. G'day, Jeff. Hang on. I'm good, mate. What do you think? I was Jeff from Tyler Blake's, it was. Oh, beautiful. Um, what do you think, Brad Scott, Bombers? Uh, I just find it bewildering how Heard and um, Izzo do two interviews and Brad Scott does one and all of a sudden gets the job. Doesn't that up? Well, as I said before, Jeff, uh, Mitch had clearly been from Channel 7 had been reporting that they'd been having discussions. But, uh, yeah, the first official interview is what we're told is was today. And then um, maybe that was just confirming what they already believed and then they just needed to dig a little bit deeper on a few different areas. And um, they were confident today that they had... Um, they had their man. Yeah, well, I don't think they have, and I think I'll probably be going for Geelong now. You're going to jump off the Bombers and support Geelong? Yep. I, well, if you are going to jump off a team, Jeff, and that's an interesting proposition in and of itself for a talk topic, I don't think you can jump straight on the premiership-winning bandwagon. <laughs> I think you're going to have to pick another team. I don't encourage you to rip up your membership, by the way, or stop supporting your team, because when you get to our age, uh, mate, yeah, you, you've picked and you've got to stick. It'd be my second side anyway. Oh, so that sounds convenient, Jeff. That sounds convenient. I've got a property in Chatwood, <laughs> so therefore I can break it all up. There you go. Fair, okay, if your postcard says it, then all the best. Um, I hope you don't jump off uh, the bombers, though. Um, Rob Dog's in Ormond. G'day, Rob Dog. How you going, mate? I'm good, mate. What do you think, Brad Scott, bombers? I think it's a good thing. Look, I'm a dog supporter, but I had a cousin who played for the bombers, and... There's a lot of factions there, and and you've got Shady. I don't know whether he's a faction or not. But having said that, you've got a strong character like uh, Scott. Um, he's going to have to deal with these people. Now he did a hell of a lot with bugger all. We we know what he had at North, and now he's got Essendon. He's got players. He's probably got facilities. I I if you know. If James had came there, even the Essendon people are sort of fifty-fifty on him. He would have got, uh, he would have got chewed up. I'm glad it's Brad Scott because I, I I'm a fan of James Heard and I love his guts. But honestly, I'm glad it's Brad Scott because if I was in a trench, I'd want Brad. Uh, is it Brad or Chris? It's Brad. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you probably anyway, got both. Um, you probably have both of them, Rob. I get what you're trying to say, mate, and I thank you for ringing uh, to say it. A uh, lot of calls coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take a break and come back with your calls. Annie, George, Andrew, Cameron, don't go anywhere. Here's your text coming through. Two off the 40 Wings temper text. I'll get to those. That's all still to come on the Sporting Capital. Our first guest, 7.45 tonight, Port Adelaide's Ebony O'Day, ahead of the first showdown in AFLW history. So we'll get her take on that. South Australian herself at her third club, but back home and keen to get stuck into the first ever AFLW showdown. That's all still to come. Sporting Capital, SEN. I think we've started a topic here that we weren't intending to, but it's an interesting one. There's a few texts coming through after Jeff uh, rang to say that he's not happy with the uh, Essendon's appointment of Brad Scott as their new senior coach. So he's going to jump off and barrack for Geelong. I said that that might be just a little bit too bandwagon jumpy. Um, and he said, well, no, I've got a property down uh, in the postcode, so he feels like that's acceptable, and they've always been his second team. But uh, as I said, too, that once you get to a certain age, you're stuck with your footy team, aren't you? What's the what's the latest that you can make a change to you, the, the team that you barrack for? So off the text, uh, unless you're 12 years old or under, you shouldn't be allowed to change football teams. There should be a hefty fine for this. <laughs> Fines for changing footy teams. I started, my dad barracks for Collingwood. I think I started Collingwood. My grandfather barracked for Carlton. I went to Carlton for a little bit, and then I went to St Kilda, who my sister barracks for, but then settled on Hawthorne at the age of five. So I would say five years old is when you've, you've got an amnesty to sort of jump around a bit. But five years of age, I think, is when the cutoff should be. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Cameron uh, on the sunny coast wants to speak about the Bombers and Brad Scott. Hello, mate. Yeah, go, Sam. How are you, brother? I'm well, thanks for asking. All right, let's get the rumor. Let's get the rumor mill charging. Oh, you're not so, going to get me in trouble. No, no, no. I've got a, I've got a couple of mates who, who are affiliated with the two clubs involved, of my rumour anyway. So the, the story's going that Brad Scott got appointed to Essendon, and that, I know I love him to death, but Joel Selwood will go there as an assistant midfield coach next season. There's a three-year tender under Brad, and then Chris is going to retire, and then Joel, Joel comes back home. What do you reckon? Well, Cameron, just a real early cat amongst the pigeons. So, I mean, I don't think there would have been any collusion between Geelong and Essendon to make this happen. But, uh, and that's, well, that, that would have been locked in very, very quickly, uh, given that the first interview was today, officially. Um, and, of course, some uh, informal chats beforehand. Joel Selwood to be the midfield coach, do a three-year apprenticeship and then head back and take over from Chris. Well, it would be very serendipitous if he does. Uh, I think if he is going to go into coaching Joel, Paddy Dangerfield spoke about this and thinks that Joel's going to take a little break away from the cut and thrust of day-in, day-out footy. Um, he spoke to SEN earlier today about it. So I'm not 100% sure uh, on that one. It all ties, it all just has a nice little bow wrapped around it. I just don't know when they would have found the time to do all of this. Um, but an interesting one. So there we go, rumour mill already. Rumour mill already starting to spin uh, in relation to this, I certainly don't think Essendon would have appointed Brad Scott to try and help facilitate the Joel Selwood apprenticeship. I think they've got to sort of look a bit more big picture than that. Uh, George is in Northcote. G'day, George. Yes, bud. Essendon. Hello. Brad Scott. Hello. You're on air live. Oh, g'day, mate. Look, um, yeah, Brad Scott. Um, look, 
I really didn't know what to think when I sort of appoint him, uh, to be honest with you. But I, I think he's the type of coach that will probably get uh, the best out of the players and, and also probably create a game plan that's going to stand up, you know, uh, yep. to the modern way of playing football. Um, the only thing I, I sort of would like to know is um, is uh, what's, what's he like as a strategic coach on, on match day because that's something that we've been lucky uh, with our previous two coaches, I reckon. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and, and look a little bit more closely into his time at um, at North Melbourne. But again, um, a 4-4 four and four record in finals, made two prelims with lists that a lot of people and, and list analysts would have thought are not as strong as maybe the other three teams in that top four and maybe uh, the teams that they beat on the way to get into a prelim. So I think you've got to have some tactical nous to do that. Um, he's been out of coaching since 2019, yep. um, as we know, and has been um, uh, working in the uh, as a as an AFL official with, I think it was AFL Victoria, and then uh, now as the operations boss. So one thing he will he is is a, a, a strong voice, well versed in every aspect of football as a player, uh, as a coach, and as an administrator. And if we if reports are to be believed that there is a bit of a if, there, if things are quite factional at the Essendon Footy Club, and maybe not everybody's uh, tiggity-boo and on the same page, then he he's a sure hand at being able to navigate through that and, and is a strong-willed um, and a strong presence. So I, think, I don't think that stuff will daunt him either, which may have been quite daunting for a first-time coach. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. George, I, I thank you for your call. Uh, Andrew and Caroline Springs, stay right there. Uh, Six is coming through as the age, um, the, the, the cutoff for when you can change teams from one club to another. Uh, Corey says seven, though. You can keep those coming through as well. Back after this. Uh, Ebony O'Day from the Port Adelaide Footy Club going to join us uh, in about 10 minutes' time. The first ever showdown between the Power and the Crows, uh, the Power in their first AFLW season. Uh, that is something to be excited about, and we'll have a chat to her as that excitement builds uh, for this weekend's clash. Uh, off the 40 Wings Temper Text, Consumer Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Uh, from Michael in Launceston, it seems two things are happening. Supposed Essendon supporters jumping off the club who will definitely still support Essendon next year. Grown adults comparing twin adults, the Scott brothers, as if they're the same person. I'm an Essendon supporter. Today is a day to be excited. A coach who will give us some passion, honesty and emotion as well as strength and experience. I can't wait. Go Bombers. Uh, that's the spirit. Michael in Launceston, uh, off the text, 0433 uh, Andrews in Caroline Springs, who's been waiting patiently to speak about the Bombers' appointment of Brad Scott as their new senior coach. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Sam. How are you going? Oh, all the better for speaking to you, mate. Thank you. Oh, thanks, mate. No, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited. I mean, it's a fresh, uh, a fresh start. I mean, uh, a different... Uh, uh, a uh, different uh, away from Essendon as a, as a, a players and this and that. I mean, Brad Scott was at North Melbourne and there's a. I didn't like him as a player and that, but um, especially the rivalry between Essendon and Brisbane back in the day. But um, look, he was a hard coach. He was a hard man as a player and that. I just hope he's coaching as hard as well, and especially on the boys. I mean, some of the the performances from the boys this year has been it was terrible. I mean, I just hope they get a big rocket up the backside, some of those players, and uh, yeah, put some passion on the jumper and everything. And, um, yeah, that's a, oh, it's great. It's a great appointment. Uh, Andrew, thanks for ringing to share your points. I really appreciate it. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line. Your move 
your Harcourts. Um, this has come through off the text as well uh, from AG. Seven players who played in the 2004 Grand Final will be senior coaches next year. Uh, so just to go through them, Michael Voss, uh, Craig McRae, uh, Damien Hardwick, um, uh, the Giants, and I've just had a mental blank, the Giants' new coach, um, uh, Adam Kingsley. Uh, who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Oh, Chris Scott, Brad Scott. There we go. Seven who played in the 04 grand final will be senior coaches next year. Nicely ju- done. Uh, and Justin Lepich is an assistant coach. Um, there we go. Nicely done. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Harcourt's open line. You'll move your Harcourt's for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's for all things sport. Um, have, ring it up and have a chat to me. Um, I was an Essen supporter. This is from Ben. Stuck with them for six years, even though my brother played with the Cats. Hart finally ruled overhead, staunch in 05, and have followed the Cats ever since, even when said brother runs the Swans. That'll happen mid-20s. That's from Ben. And I think we can all figure out uh, whose brother Ben is, but thank you for that, Ben. Greatly appreciated. Um, Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett um, has released a statement today um, to the members. I uh, wanted to read it to you. Uh, dear members, when the Hawthorne Football Club selects young men and women to join our playing list, we do so because they have demonstrated that they have the skills that we... Uh, they have skills that will increase the club's chances of being successful or because we recognise potential talent and character that we think we can help them develop to become premiership players for us. We don't select players based on race, colour or religion. Once on our list, they are equally important to us and we spend considerable time developing their football skills, encourage them to undertake studies and gain skills for life after football. Over the journey, we have had a number of First Nation players wear the brown and gold, uh, and he goes through and and mentions uh, a lot of those players in the past, uh, including uh, Chance Bateman, Sean Burgoyne, Lance Franklin, Cyril Rioli, Mark Williams, Brad Hill, today, Jarman Impey, Chad Wingard, Tyler Brocklin, Brockman, Caitlin Ashmore and Jeanette Baird. Recently decided to conduct some work amongst uh, among our past and present First Nations players and staff to learn more about their experience at the club and find out if they required any further support in their life after football. We commissioned Phil Egan and his firm, Bin Mata, to talk to our past and present First Nations players and staff, understanding that First Nations people would feel more comfortable telling their story to fellow First Nations people. We were also asked and committed to keeping the review and any comments made by those interviewed confidential. Importantly, many participated on that basis. When the club received the final report, it would be an understatement to say we were horrified at the stories that three of our past players and their partners had recorded. If the allegations were true, these individuals and their families have been subjected to some horrific and unacceptable behaviours. The review was never meant to be forensic. We wanted to hear from our past and present First Nations players about their experiences at Hawthorne and their current wellbeing. The board met to consider the final review and, because of the severity of the contents, decided to inform senior officials at the AFL about the stories that were contained within the review. The board further decided that the review had had to be given to the AFL's integrity unit as is required under the club's AFL licence and because it was a key recommendation of the review. We also believed that we, as a club, did not have the personnel or the skill set to take the matter further. After submitting the review to the AFL, we were then informed that certain members of the families of those who told their stories had also been interviewed by an ABC journalist. Their story was then published by the ABC shortly after that. The stories themselves 
are so heartbreaking to read. We had just begun a process with the AFL to address the issues the three families had raised. The ABC story and the coverage since publicly named a number of individuals who the three families had mentioned in their stories to Mr Egan and the ABC. This denied those named the ability to respond to those allegations in an appropriate and fair manner consistent with the AFL rules. All those named in the ABC story have, have stood down from their position until a resolution has been determined. The AFL, given the claims made and the failure of procedural fairness to others, has moved to establish an inquiry uh, moved to establish an inquiry of four people to examine the claims in order to ultimately, ultimately establish the truth. The details of the form shape uh, and personnel who will head the inquiry will be released by the AFL in the next few days. Last night, the club requested to meet with the AFL and its council and that meeting took place today. Of course, our first concern is the welfare of the families who have made the claims, and we are doing all we can to work with them. We are also concerned about the individuals and families who have been publicly named. All families are suffering for different reasons. A solution must be found quickly, and all parties should be prepared to work towards a solution, because not to do so will impact heavily or on all involved. Those hurt by allegation by alleged past action should have the, their right to natural justice served, and the club can continue to learn and grow in this important space. As a club, we do not apologise for asking our past and present First Nations players and staff about their past and present experiences. It is good practice to do so and will assist in our endeavours to provide a safe and nourishing environment for every member of our community. Hopefully all parties will see fit to work with the AFL inquiry to bring this matter to a conclusion. We at the club do not intend to provide a running commentary on this matter and will allow the AFL inquiry to do its work. That said, we will assist in any way we can. Uh, stay strong, Hawkers. That is from Hawthorne President Jeff Kennett. I wanted to read that in, in, in its entirety um, because it is a very, very important issue and a very important statement to be read. Um, just off the text, uh, sorry, just uh, off the phone, uh, on the phone just before we get to a break and come back with Ebony O'Day. Uh, Annie's in one turner. G'day, Annie. Hey, uh, hey, Sam. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Um, I love your uh, what you said earlier when you started the program about the meeting Brad Scott and proposed straight away um, for effort and coaching. Um, uh, all of a sudden, I hear today Joey Dugowie, Essendon uh, interested in him. Jordan Dugowie, yeah. Um, Damien Barrett. Oh, so, sorry, yeah. George, yeah. <laughs> okay. Jordan Dugowie. No, Jordan Dugowie, um, a couple of people are reporting that as well. Yeah, and, and especially yesterday when Tom Brown uh, pretty much said that he signed the contract to Collingwood. Um, and then today, all of a sudden, Jordan Dugowie, Essendon are interested. And I'm thinking, is this like the way you said a proposal? Is this like a Christmas pudding work in progress? <laughs> Takes about three to four weeks. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, Essendon are keen on John DeGoey. Well, my understanding, and, and the reports, Annie, and thank you for your call, um, and for, 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 for getting the gist of, of my analogy at the start, I appreciate that. Um, my understanding and, and the reports, so Damien Barrett has spoken about this, and there's a couple of other journos who have said that... Um, there was even a, a group of people that met with Jordan Ngoi from Essendon and they sent a delegation, including by one report, Jake Stringer. I just don't have it in front of me. I'd give it the proper attribution, but I just don't have it in front of me. So the interest has been there for a while, um, Annie. I don't think this is a, a, a snap judgment to steal one of Jared's lines. 
um, since appointing Brad. I think this had been in the works beforehand and that they'd been interested for some time uh, in Jordan Dugowie. So there's a big decision for Dugowie to make. The reports were yesterday coming out of... Um, the reports were yesterday that uh, Jordan Dugowie and Collingwood had agreed to terms and signed, but uh, contrary reports have come through today uh, that that's not the case. And St Kilda, their list manager, James Gallagher, spoke. They still uh, believe they're in with a chance to sign him. And then Damien Barrett reported that Essendon still believe they're a chance as well. So that's where it sits. So there's a long wait, uh, maybe a little bit more to play out. And it's Essendon's best, uh, Collingwood's best and fairest uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I'm sure they would have hoped to have announced that, but it might be a little awkward in the room uh, if he hasn't quite yet signed. Um, and... Uh, and then gets up and maybe has a top five finish. We'll have to make a speech at some stage as well. So we'll wait and see on that with Bader Breath. There's some club best and fairest going on tonight too. Frio, Hawthorne, Geelong, I think. We'll um, keep you up to date when we know uh, winners of awards through those as well. But first ever showdown, AFLW style, Port Adelaide, Adelaide. It'll be this weekend. And Ebony O'Day from The Power is going to talk to us on the other side of this on the Sporting Capital. Uh, we're going to be speaking to Ange Foley. Uh, not Ange Foley, she spoke a little earlier from Port Adelaide. Ebony O'Day is going to join us uh, in the not-too-distant future. Um, we're just having a little bit of a problem here in getting connected to her. Um, but it'll be interesting to have a chat to her about the AFLPA uh, Player Satisfaction Survey uh, that's come out today uh, as well. Uh, that'll be really interesting. Um, the details of that survey are, are fascinating. I haven't, I've just been able to skim over them. But I haven't actually been able to um, read it in its totality. Um, but it is a comprehensive survey done by the men's players uh, and the women's players as well. So I wanted to have a little chat to her um, about the survey in broad terms because it is done um, on condition of anonymity. Um, just some of your texts coming through um, in regards to uh, Essendon and their appointment of Brad Scott as their new coach, uh, Stephen Baruga. He's a good man, Steve. Uh, hi, Sam. Essendon and Scott must have known about the appointment well before today's ruse. Just negotiating contract details, etc., would usually take weeks and not in an afternoon after your first interview. The press release was ready to go in advance. The other applicants might now feel conned. Uh, that's come through from Steve. Uh, how long uh, you've got until you can, uh, you can no longer change your AFL side? Sam, it's in the Australian Constitution. You can change sides over the age of 12 unless your club fold, like Fitzroy, or you get a new side in your hometown, like Tassie. That's a great call, Alex. That's a great call. You do get an amnesty if your city or your state gets a, a team when they haven't had one previously. So I think that's fair enough. I've got no dramas with that at all. And I encourage uh, all Taswegians. Is that the right word? Taswegians? Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Tasmanians, Tas... Um, if... Um, to, to do the same and maybe just go a roll with two clubs. Um, interesting to see that Tony Cochran um, spoke to Sports Day yesterday and has softened his stance on Tasmania. So uh, he was one of the three most vocal opponents to Tassie coming into the competition alongside what we're told Jeff Brown from the Collingwood Footy Club and Andrew Pridham from the Swans. Um, but softening is the stance um, from them. I reckon we've got uh, Ebony, ready and raring to go. Do we? Yes, we do. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Ebony O'Day at a third uh, AFLW club, but back home in South Australia. So from the Giants to the Pies and now to Port Adelaide, who are set to meet. 
the Crows in the first ever showdown in the AFLW's history. It'll happen 8pm our time uh, tomorrow night and we cannot wait for this. The best rivalry in footy is the showdown and the women now get the chance to add a chapter to that story for the first time themselves. Ebony, hello to you. Hello, how are you going? Uh, very well, thanks. How has the build-up been? How excited? You're, you're a South Australian born and raised. You've grown up watching showdowns. Now you get to play in one. Yeah, the build-up's been huge. Everyone's just, like you said, exciting and we're so pumped. And, yeah, the rivalry's obviously been there on the men's side for a long, long time. Um, and to have the first one on the women's side, especially with players crossing over between the two clubs, has been a, a big build-up and we're so open to be part of it. Yes, yeah, so there's, uh, by my count, there was three, I think, former Crows, yeah. uh, including Erin uh, Phillips that came over. Um, they're a little bit more... Sp- are, we, are we predicting that there's going to be a little bit of argy-bargy, a little bit of spice thrown their way. Um, what's their excitement levels been in this as well? Yeah, absolutely. We're expecting it to be a very hot game. Um, we want it to be a contested game. We love that footy. Um, and I think the Crows are obviously going to bring that too. Um, and those players that have been at both, uh, as soon as that ball goes up, um, it's just going to be play footy. Very competitive girls, all three of them. Um, and naturally, all of us are. That's why we're here. So it, it, we're really going to want to yeah, make it a really tough, contested game. And I think everyone's going to fight very hard. Um, you guys have been able to, to, to get a win in your first season. So you're not going into this game not only... Uh, looking for your first showdown win, but your first ever win. I imagine that takes some of the, the, the pressure off. But the, the fact is, too, you're coming up against the most successful team in, in AFLW history. Um, so it is going to be no mean feat to, to knock them off in your first season. But but where's the, where are the confidence levels? Where do you think you guys can um, get an advantage here? Yeah, the confidence is up. Um, we've been building throughout the season and we've shown... Maybe not as consistently as we'd like to, but we've had certainly patches of playing exactly how we want to play. And we know that if we bring that for four quarters tomorrow, we can get on top. Um, and we know that games like rivalry games and the showdown, it doesn't necessarily matter where teams are on the ladder um, and how many wins they've got under their belt. It all comes on the night. Showdowns are a different beast. Um, so our confidence is up. We're ready to play a nice hard game. And if we can bring it for four quarters, we, we reckon we're more than a chance to, to come out on top. Your last three weeks have had everything. You've had a, a, a monster yeah. win against. Uh, you've had a monster win against the Swans, sixty-six points. You've had a draw, uh, and you've had a loss. So licorice all sorts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not wrong. We certainly have. Um, with so, I, I remember when um, I remember when Beck Goddard uh, in Hawthorne's game against Essendon at the start of the year. Two new teams coming in as well, like yourselves and Sydney have been, um, and she wanted to tap into the Essendon rivalry, putting a line of sand. Um, in the change room for the players to walk over when they headed out to take on Essendon for the first time. One of the most notorious um, encounters between Port Adelaide and, uh, and Adelaide was the Ramsgate Hotel. You guys haven't been getting down there and trying to entice the Crows down there as well to try and relive that bit of history, have you? No, we haven't quite gone that far. We haven't done any of that uh, to date. Um, well, I, I had to ask one stupid question, uh, Ebony. It's uh, in my contract that I have to do that uh, every interview that I do. Um, how did, what was the process like for you to come back home? Um, you've been all around the country to realise your AFLW dream uh, and now you get to go back to South Australia to be with the power. How was that process to get you back? Yeah, it certainly went the, the long way around, but 
it was always in my head that Port were going to come into the competition and the opportunity was going to be there. And it's, uh, it's the team that my family's been behind um, the whole way through. So when that opportunity arose, I jumped at it as soon as I got the call. Um, I got a call fairly early on to stuff out my interest and I was interested at the time, but when they officially said, we want you if you come, I, I didn't didn't care what was in the contract. I just said, have me. I could not have been more excited to to firstly get home but to be playing for Port Adelaide is an absolute dream it's yeah was an easy process from that side of things but yeah certainly went the long way around to to get back here oh that's absolutely beautiful um now we don't have a ton of time left but I I noticed that the AFLPA survey satisfaction survey has come out um today and whilst you guys participate in that under anonymity so I'm not asking for you give me your personal answers to this but um how important do you think that process is because now that that report's been revealed it does uh, it does speak to a lot of the AFLW experience right now especially about that balance between what you're um supposed to do and what you need to do and there's um how the how the AFLW's been integrated um into um, with the, into the, the clubs themselves, how did you find that a, a really important process to go through? Yeah, it has been, and um, we've shown um, well what the results of those previous surveys have been, um, what what the players see is most important, and getting that information to the AFLPA so that they can file on our behalf for things like the CBA um, to, to help us with our contracts and everything to do with our you know, salary and season length um, to. Know, know that the um, PA sees what the players are saying accurately and getting those surveys to really get our views helps them get the best deals for us possible. And it's a very important process that they do a fantastic job at. Uh, well, as long as it's improving year on year. Hey, got to let you go, Ebony. Good luck uh, tomorrow night, 8 p.m., the first showdown. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Can't wait for it. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Uh, Ebony O'Day from the Port Adelaide Football Club. We'll be back on the other side of this with more Sporting Capital. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, thank you for sticking around or for joining The Sporting Capital, whichever category you fit into. Uh, it is wonderful to have you on board. Uh, you can call me on the Harcourt's open line anytime, one 736 736 Your move, your Harcourt's. Or you can text in at any point as well on the 40 Winks Temper Text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Um, if you're not aware of this too and you're a sporting club uh, with less than 500 participants, then have a listen to this. New Maccas on your team is back supporting local community sporting clubs across Victoria and Tasmania. For your sporting club's chance to receive a $1,500 grant, simply go to visitmcdonalds.com.au slash Maccas on your team. And download the Cinefly, C-I-N-E-F-L-Y app to submit your video application. All you need is the phone, tick, and some creativity. And if you don't have that, get someone to help you. There'll be someone at your club that has it. There are 153 grants available to any community sporting organisation based in Victoria and Tasmania and that have under 500 participants. Hurry, the deadline to apply is this Friday, the 30th of September. Still a whole lot to go through. We'll talk about the AFLPA's Player Satisfaction Survey. The results of that have been released. But I want to dedicate a big chunk of this hour to the NRL Grand Finals. So Sunday night, 7.30, you'll hear it on SEN League. Uh, get on the SEN app to make sure you've got access to that. Um, a little later on, we will speak to uh, a former Parramatta Eels captain who played in 2009, the last time that the Eels were actually in 
a decider. Uh, Tim Manor will join us. But first, let's get the Penrith side of the equation uh, from a man who will be sitting alongside Tim Manor in the SEN League commentary box, by the way. Uh, but he's also the man who I always say is solely responsible for the 2003 triumph, the tackle, the match-winning tackle. Scotty Sattler was the man who laid it, and he's the man that joins us each and every week to talk NRL. Sats, hello, mate. You're very kind, Sammy. How are you? Uh, look, how could I be any better when I'm uh, getting to have a chat to you about the biggest game of rugby league for the year and in a grand final that I think would be just a dream come true for the hierarchy at the NRL. They've had the old Queensland final a few years ago when the Cowboys beat the Broncos just to look after Queensland heartland and now out west in the west of Sydney, the biggest junior participation, I think, in the country is all out there. They've got Penrith and Parramatta for the first time in NRL history, which is amazing in and of itself. It is. It is. And it is the perfect scenario, I think, Sammy, because even if it would have been um, the South City Rabbitohs and the Parramatta Eels, uh, it would have been exactly the same response because two massive supporter bases, but the Battle of the West, the phrase that everyone... Uh, seems to use this week, and you are right. The first time they've faced, faced each other, and funnily enough, they both play a really exciting brand of rugby league, a real unpredictable brand of rugby league, and that's what we love in a game that can be so, I suppose, so tainted with, with rules and regulations and, and teams that just want to play um, a boring style of rugby league. But these two teams are far from that, and that, that's why I think on Sunday we've We've potentially got one of the most exciting grand finals we've seen in in, uh, in history. So let's speak about it from the Penrith point of view first, Sats. Uh, your old mob, and you've got a couple of those, but this primarily. Um, th- th- this is a team that has played in the last two grand finals. They've won one of them. They're the reigning premiers. They have had, with all due respect, they have breezed through the back half of the year and finals. Uh, weren't troubled by the yields, really. The scoreline maybe flattered them a little bit, but they got through pretty well unscathed in week one of the finals. They were too good for the Rabbitohs comfortably uh, in the prelim, uh, and now they just come in cherry ripe. They've got three players named in the Dally M team of the year. It all just seems to be um, falling into place very nicely, but that can sometimes leave you a little nervous, can't it? Yeah, with three grand finals in a row, I think they're obviously going to be better placed than most sides and be able to handle the week a lot better than what, you know, what, the Parramatta Eels, and that's what you'd think on the face of it, but it's it's actually not the case. Sammy, it doesn't matter how many grand finals you're playing, you're still nervous, and and this is different because the first grand final Penrith played in, they were beaten by Melbourne, it was played at Acor Stadium at Homebush where they're playing this one. It was a restricted crowd, and Penrith were beaten by a much-experienced Melbourne and a King Smith at Melbourne. You fast-forward to 2020, and they win the premiership, at Suncorp Stadium in front of, again, a reduced, reduced crowd. And this year, it's the first grand final they're playing in front of full capacity. And there is a huge expectation on them to you know, to go back-to-back. Now, all the science says that they should. Parramatta, funnily enough, in that first round, Sammy, if you can remember, Penrith were leading 13 points to eight. And Mitchell Moses is knocked clean out trying to tackle Billy Army kick out, I think it was. And... He doesn't take any part in the game. And they're beating, beaten compre- comprehensively. So, Parramatta right in that game until Mitchell Moses goes off. So, I've got to say, if any team has Penrith a little bit nervous, it's Parramatta. So, that's why it's the, the perfect matchup. But 
if Param, if Penrith play to their you know, their worst game as a team is probably seven and a half out of ten, whereas Parramatta's worst as a team can be a four or five out of ten. So that's the battle that Parramatta have got to try and get over. The other battle, Scotty Sattler, is they've they've been up for a while now, Parramatta. I mean, yes, you know, they've had the finals and they've won their way through after after losing in week one, but let's not forget in the last game of the year to, to, to lock in that top four spot. They had to get over the top of the storm. Um, and, and that is a final in and of itself, no matter what time of the year it's played. So they've had to really do it hard to get to this point. Have they still got petrol tickets left in your mind? I think they do. Um, you know, they've got a nine-day turnaround from the game against the Cowboys in Townsville. Mm. You know, high humidity, up around 83%. It was 26 degrees. That takes a lot out of you physically, but they had those extra couple of days to recover. So, you know, they'll be primed and ready. The adrenaline of playing in a grand final, um, many would say probably they played their grand final against against the Cowboys, and there's probably an argument to that, but we won't know that until we see how... Yeah, you know, how much energy how much energy they've got in there in everything they do on Sunday night. So have they been up for a long time? Yeah, they have been. It's and they've won some really crucial games. But the way they found a way to win against the Cowboys, I haven't seen the the Paramount Eels do that consistently and, and they found something some real courage amongst their playing group to be able to dig really deep and find something special to win that game in Townsville. And I like straight after the game, Sammy, what tells me that Parramatta are going to handle this week okay is Brad Arthur, open and honest, after the game went in, he said, I've got no idea what to expect this weekend. I've, I've never been here before. And then he didn't try and fake it till he made it, Brad Arthur. But then you had Clint Gutherson when they said, you know, you got a grand final next week. And he said, I'm not going to think about that yet. We're going to get on the plane. We're going to drive home. We're going to have a few beers together and celebrate this win. And that's important. You've got to celebrate your wins because teams in the past have bottled themselves up for seven days and the media hasn't seen them. They've appeared only at the NRL functions, like the NRL breakfast, and basically they sit in a cocoon for seven days and you play the game before you get there. So I like the way that Parramatta have got this free and easy attitude towards this game. Um, do you feel like, Sats, that there's... When, you, when you're playing three grand finals in a row... And, and we've seen some um, legacy, we've seen some um, dynasty teams quite often, uh, regularly in AFL during the AFL era, from the Lions in the early 2000s when, when the Cats won three in five years, when Hawthorne went three out of four, uh, three in a row and, and three and four grand final appearances in a row. Richmond um, have won three in four years. When you start, you don't see it as much in the NRL, but when you see a team that could be in that dynasty phase, do you feel like there's a bit more pressure on Penrith? Will they be feeling that there's history there for them? And if they claim it, then they get spoken about as one of the great teams of the modern era. If they don't win it, then, and they can't get back there for a while, then are they the underachievers? Like, there's there's a bit on it, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's a really good point you're making. You think about dynasties, and to not win a grand final doesn't mean that you've you're forming something special. To make a grand final is difficult. So first and foremost, if they're playing three and win one um, after Sunday, you know, it's still something really special. But you start looking at your sides, you know, like your Brisbane's from 1992 through to 2000, you know, nine years, they had five premierships. And then you, know, you had 
Parramatta in the early 80s who played in, you know, six years, they, they had four premierships. You know, that, that's when you start thinking about dynasties. And you go all the way back to the 50s and 60s when the St. George Dragons played in 11 straight and won 11 straight grand finals. We'll yes. never see that ever again. No, but, gonna... you know, if they win on Sunday night, yeah, you start thinking about yeah, how special is this club going to be and, and how long can they continue to go for? Because you've got to remember their second grade sides in the grand final on Sunday. Their under-21 side won the grand final and their under-19s won the grand final back in, back in April, May, June. So, you know, they've got a pretty good pathway. But then you look at the, the great Roosters side from 2000. They played in the grand final, lost to Brisbane. They won in 2002. They got beaten in 2003. They got beaten in 2004. And, you know, didn't get back there until 2010. So, you know, Penrith is sitting right on the precipice at the moment about, you know, whether they're going to be a team that is going to be thought of of the great Brisbane Broncos sides and the Parramatta sides if they win on Sunday night. Or are they another Roosters side that can make grand finals but can't really convert them? Yeah, it's, that's the big what-if, isn't it? And, and and for the Eels fans, I mean, they haven't been in a grand final since 2009, and the last one they won, I think you mentioned, 1986. So they have been starved uh, of this time of the year action. Um, where do you think is the biggest threat to Penrith from the Eels? Sats? Uh, second phase play. So to the AFL, their second phase play is when a a person runs into the tackle is able to, in that in that wrestle, is able to offload the ball back before they have to play it. And then, you, you know, it's play on. That's unpredictability. It's it's something that I think the Panthers could possibly struggle with. You, you can't try and beat Penrith at their own game. You just can't do it. So you've got to be unpredictable. And I think out of all the sides, Parramatta are one of the most unpredictable. They play a freestyle rugby league. At times, it's high risk. It's going to be raining. So they've got to be a little bit more controlled, but unpredictability is what is what will beat Penrith, and Parramatta have the ability to do that. And for Par- and for Penrith, who holds the keys? Do you think in their hand? As I said, they had three players named in the Dally M Team of the Year. Um, Nathan Cleary, who only played the sixteen games this year, sats, but has had those week off rests, so he should come in cherry ripe. Um, who, who do you think holds the keys to going back to back for the Panthers? Yeah, well, it's no doubt the current Clive Churchill medalist, which is Nathan Cleary. Um, his kicking game, you know, the, the way that he just he dissects the game on the run. Um, the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Sammy, really they rattled his cage a little bit last week, and I think Parramatta will do the same. But the most important ones to me is the two front rowers, Moses Leota and, and James Fisher-Harris. Uh, if they are dominated by... Pam Adams front row, two big men, Junior Barlow and and Regan Campbell Gillard. If, if they're dominated by those two front rowers, uh, it could be a long night for Penrith. And, and Paramount have the ability to taste blood really early. So the two front rowers, if Nathan's going to ice the game, the two front rowers have got to they've got to stand up. I've got no doubt they will, but they've really got to stand up and welcome the challenge. Um, we look forward to listening to it on SEN League. Uh, yourself, Joel Kane, Tim Manor, who's going to join me in about 15 minutes, uh, Brett Kamali as well. Sats, I've got three. This is, I want you to answer these three all at once. So give me the margin of why you think, right. how much you think Penrith's going to win by. Who will be the Clive Churchill medalist? And who will be the person that provides the Scott Sattler moment? Who's going to have the game-defining moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Um, I'm going to say Penrith win. I think they win from 1 to 12. Yep. I think they might win something like 26-14. Yes. And I don't think they'll ice it until the last seven or eight minutes. I think the uh, Clive Churchill medalist will be Isaiah Yo, the number 13. And I think the man that will come up with the uh, the big moment and some big play that may turn the game will be their fullback, Dylan Dylan Edwards. Beautiful, beautiful. I love your work, mate. I can't wait to hear the call. Uh, fantastic call team that's assembled. Um, nice representation from you from the Penrith side of things and uh, and Timmy Manor uh, from the Parramatta side of the equation. And then just someone to balance you out in the middle, uh, Brett Kamali. Because I think, did Joel, because Joel Kane. He played a, a, a handful of first-grade games, didn't he? And I think it was for Parramatta, wasn't it? He played a lot of first-grade games, Sammy. Actually, in year 2000, Joel Kane, who I think is one of the, the real, you know, the, the top-line rugby league callers now, he, he was the point scorer of the year in 2000. Had a phenomenal year, yeah. Very good fullback winger. Geez, I've really undersold him, haven't I? <laughs> you have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Don't tell him. He's a good man. Don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> our secret. Our secret. Hey, um, Sats, you've been so generous with your time uh, all throughout the year, mate. Um, we might even have another chat to you, depending on how things go on Sunday. But I uh, can't wait for this one. It's um, going to be absolutely heaving. Um, at uh, uh, what's, What do they call the stadium now where they play it? What are they going with? It's got a new name, doesn't it? Arcor. Arcor. That's what Arcor I'm looking stadium. for. Arcor Stadium. Arcor Stadium. Well... I think mm. I think it'll be seismic uh, out west uh, as well. So enjoy that, mate, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Sammy. Talk to you next week. Uh, Scott Sattler, you can hear him in action on SEN League. So 7.30 Sunday night, the NRL Grand Final. We'll speak to Tim Manor too, just to get the other side of the coin uh, from an Eels point of view. But um, it'd be, if you're an AFL fan, you're not so much of an NRL fan. 1986, so 36-year drought since they have tasted the ultimate success. And that was, they went from an era where they won three in a row. Sats was just talking about that at the start of the 80s. And then another one in 86. Didn't get into another grand final until 09 and are still looking for that uh, first grand final since that 1986 success. So there's a lot on this for Parramatta fans. And the Eel, uh, and the, 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 the Panthers, can they um, cement that dynasty-type uh, legacy? Uh, if you've got a thought on the NRL Grand Final, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can text in zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Just the one that I got off the text. Hey Sam, you always wondered what the opening song is that you've got there. Well, that is from a band called Fountaineer, one of my best mates' bands. No longer going, but their debut album got four stars in Rolling Stone. Uh, they toured with Gang of Youths. Uh, so F O U N T A I N double E R Fountaineer. Uh, it's called Greater City, Greater Love, the album. The song is Sirens Part 1 and 2. This is one of theirs as well. Uh, 7.30pm Sunday night. Looking forward to this SEN League. You will hear all the action of the NRL Grand Final. And this is a dream come true, I reckon, for the NRL. It is a battle for the West of Sydney. Never before have Penrith and Parramatta met in an NRL grand final. Whenever Penrith have been up, Parra have been down. Whenever Parra have been up, Penrith have been down, but no longer. Eels finished fifth, uh, fourth this season. They knocked the storm out of that fourth spot, and they've been brilliant in the finals. A blemish against Penrith in week one, but they have been fantastic 
uh, since then. And a man who captained the club in his first ever season played in a losing grand final with the Eels the last time they were ever in an NRL grand final. Uh, Tim Manor has been good enough to jump on. Hello, mate. Yeah, good, mate. How are you doing? Oh, look, very well. I can only just imagine the, the pride that's coursing through... Uh, your veins, it would still run very rich with Eels blood. Um, how does it feel for you being a former captain to see the Eels uh, back on the big stage? Yeah, mate, uh, it's exciting. It's been a long time since we've been there. Um, I remember the last time we were there and it was, uh, wasn't the result we wanted, so very optimistic about this one. Uh, I'm excited. I think, I think Panada fans are uh, quietly confident. You know, we've been in Penrith twice this year, Um and for some reason, we've just got the wood on them. So it'd be amazing if we can win it and break that 36-year hoodoo that was hovering over our head. What do you put it down to, that the fact that, apart from that week one of the finals, what do you put it down to, the fact that the Eels have matched up so well with Penrith this year? I don't know. Look, we've got very similar styles of teams. Like, you look at the, the lineups; they're very similar. I think the way we play frustrates the Panthers. You know, we, we throw a lot of offloads and... We break up the defensive line a bit. And because they're so aggressive in their defensive line, whenever there is an offload, it, it does take a lot of energy to kind of react to that. So um, for whatever reason, we just seem to frustrate Panthers. It's not just this year. You know, you look at the last two, three, four years, and our record against them has been pretty strong. What did you think of the selection decisions made uh, on Tuesday night? Were you happy with the team, the final team that was selected? Yeah, mate, I think it's a good team. I think uh, yeah, the, the inclusion of Mason Brown is very handy. Um, yeah, you kind of want to fight fire with fire, and they've got a pretty uh, powerful bench. So Nathan Brown in there just gives it that extra oomph. And, um, you know, the rest of the team have done a great job all year, and I've got no doubt that they're going to be prime for the again. Uh, uh, is there ever been a time, I'm trying to think of it in NRL, I certainly don't think it's happened in the AFL, where you've got two teams coached by fathers of sons who are playing uh, in both sides, of course, the Clearies and the Arthurs are all out there. So there's a real family uh, head-to-head going on as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's ever happened before. So if it has, it wouldn't be often. But it's uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see. And I'm, I'm hoping that our family ties end up at the winning scoreboard. Tim, speaking of Tim Manor, former Eels captain, I mentioned 2009 was the, the last time that, uh, that, that the Eels had been able to get into a a grand final, but when you look back at how long it's been um, since they were able to win one, by what I've been able to see, uh, looking through the record books today, uh, you've got to go back to 1986, the last time that uh, Parramatta have been able to win the title. Such a well-followed club, a really proud history. It's been a long, long time, hasn't it? So what what part does that play, a drought that long in the build-up? Because the fans, from what I've seen, are at fever pitch for this. Mate, you don't have to remind me. We know, I know very well. <laughs> Sorry, mate. We, uh, 36 years, so, um, mate, the fans are uh, on the edge of their seat. They're, they're all gardens. I think they've been hurt a few times in the bar, so they're all not getting too carried away. But at the same time, if they do win, the, the city's going to explode. So with Penrith... Do you feel like there's a fair bit of pressure on them? They've been in the last two grand finals. They they won last year, but this is their third grand final in a row. And there's often a, a train of thought that, geez, if you, you, you've got to be very good to make three in a row. But if you want to secure a dynasty, then you've got to win more than you lose. And, and it would be a massive opportunity gone begging to cement themselves in conversations about those great sides of the past, like Storm through the different eras, the Broncos through their successful eras. 
Yeah, mate, I think it's, um, it's, it's and that's the scary thing about Penrith is just the, they're, they're so young and they've had so much success already and I, I observed some of their players in the weekend on the sideline and, mate, they, they hardly crack a smile. They were all business and getting ready for this week. So, you know, they, they know what to expect grand final week and, um, you know, that's going to be an advantage for them. But at the same time, I'm a big believer that come game day, anything can happen. I'm having a look at this Dally M team of the year and there's three Panthers in it. Uh, the second rowers, um, oh, the second row of Viliami Kickout, uh, Isaiah Yo is the lock, and uh, the other one is Api Sai Curacao. No eels in that Dally M team of the year. Yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that's going to be used as a bit of motivation on Sunday. Um, no eels, you know, and I think that's kind of been the strength of Panamato. There's no yep. one standout. You know, they all play their part, they all do their job, and that's just a lot about the team, but you, know, you don't have to rely on one or two players. You know, if you take Tom Dubois, which out of Manly, or Greg, uh, Latrell Mitchell out of the South, Tesco out of Bruce, all of a sudden you're a different-looking team. But Parramatta, you, know, you, you take anyone out and they can still get the job done. Who do you see is g- going to need to have the game of their lives? Uh, who's going to need to be... Who does it rest on for you? Mitchell Moses comes off a, a massive week, had to make the really tough call. Do I go to Townsville and play in a prelim, or do I see the berth of my child, um, he decided to play. They get the win. He's been able to spend that week now as a, as a dad. Um, is, is it is it all, is it Mitchell Moses or Bust, or do you see a couple of players who need to have the game of their lives for the Eels to get this win? Uh, I think the two front rolls have done a great job the last couple of weeks, and they're going to need to do that again to help Mitchell have the game of his life. But Mitchell, I mean, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, if he steps up, we win the game. And what about for... What about for the Panthers, Tim? Who do you see? Who, I mean, that's he's everywhere you look. There's there's stars on this line, but so too uh, for the Eels as well. When you look at Regal Campbell Gillard, you know um, Junior Polo is a, a state of origin rep. So you've got big name players on both sides. But who do you see as the major threat when it comes to the Panthers? Um, Mahal is clear. He's a he's their go to, and you know he almost single handedly beat us in that week one of the finals. So. We need to do a much, much better job on putting pressure on him and, and, and making him uh, play earlier, not have the time and space he had in game one. Um, but that said, you know, there's a lot of strike across the field. So, you know, we're going to need 1-17 to of Parramatta having uh, a game of their lives. And um, look, I, I genuinely believe that Parramatta plays the best of their ability. There's no reason they can't win this. Have you got a uh, have you got a prediction for me? Uh, who's What's going to be the final margin and who's going to be... Uh, the Clive Churchill. Yeah, it's going to be a wet, wet weather game. I think it's going to be uh, a low-scoring one. I've got Parramatta winning 16-12. Uh, and my man of the match, Clive Churchill, will be Sean Lane. Sean Lane. Tell me why. Mate, he's been the, the difference for Parramatta last two weeks. It, the, the late in the season, got the more he stepped up. And in the finals, he's been our best player. Um, just, you know, especially last week, we'll, we'll done and dusted out of our feet. And he just sparked the boys with a few strong carries, offloads, and set up a try. And uh, he's been, you know, a real fine and been rewarded with a, a new contract. But this somebody that's just been playing out of his skin. So if he can do that again this week, uh, it's a good time that we're going to win this game. So, Tim, how big is this that this is a battle for the West with Parramatta and Penrith? As I said in the preamble, these guys have never met 
in a, in a decider before. Um, two massive clubs, two really well-followed clubs. And for the game itself, when the Giants are looking to get a, an AFL foothold more and more, they creep in. I know a couple of years ago, or a few years ago now, when it was the Broncos and Cowboys uh, in the decider, the NRL was secretly wrapped because it, it, it was a... It meant that you sort of reclaim Heartland in a way. Not that you know NRL is still the, the big dog in town in Queensland and New South Wales, but it, when you are, when you have got you, you know a rival code pressing up and encroaching into Heartland areas, when you get a grand final like this, they must be rubbing their hands together. The NRL. Yeah, I've got a feeling you know there, there's plenty of plenty of excitement at NRL headquarters. You, know, you couldn't have asked for a better matchup and. Yeah, the supporter base of both teams, the, the the Heartland, the Junior Rugby League system, you know, it's just so much good that comes out of these two teams playing. And regardless of the result, uh, Rugby League's going to be the winner. Well, and we're going to be the winner listening uh, to you and the team in action uh, on Sunday night, Tim. Uh, very, very good call team here. Joel Kane, Scotty Sattler, uh, Brett Kamali, and your good self. Can't wait to tune in for that. And uh, happy calling, and hopefully it's a happy day uh, for you and the whole Eels Nation. Yeah, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Can't wait. Former Eels captain Tim Manor, and you can hear it all on SEN League. Make sure you've got the SEN app to listen in. 7.30pm Sunday night, it gets going. The NRL Grand Final for 2022. How the West will be won will be decided. Um, on the other side of this, there's more details coming to light about uh, Brad Scott's appointment as the new coach at the Essendon Footy Club. Uh, details of contract length and a few other things. Uh, and we'll hear the thoughts... We'll hear the thoughts of Steve Silvani, Matt Rendell and Damian Barrett who discussed what advantages the Bombers might get from bringing Brad Scott in. I'll have a tell me why I'm wrong. And then at 9 o'clock, Pete Hawley's going to join us to preview the NBL season that gets started on Friday night. Australia, by the way, 6-2 down at the moment inside the first minute and a half against Belgium in their FIBA World Cup quarterfinal. I'll keep you updated on those scores as the evening progresses on the Sporting Capital SEN. A couple of teams with best and fairest tonight. Um, It wasn't Hawthorne. There's a Saturday night, but I believe it's Geelong's tonight and Frio's as well. So when we get some results coming through, uh, we'll relay them to you, um, Australia, just to put the foot down. Uh, it was 6-2 to two and now uh, against, and now it's 17-8-4 to eight, four, um, in the first quarter of their quarterfinal uh, at the FIBA Women's World Cup being staged in Sydney uh, at the moment. So there's about 3.43 left to play. They're playing Belgium uh, and things going quite nicely, a nine-point lead at the moment. Uh, to our Opals. Nick's in Hoppers Crossing, who wants to speak about the Bombers. G'day, Nick. Hey, you go, man. Yeah, good, buddy. things? Yeah, things are good. Thank yeah, I heard, you. The, I heard the news about... Yeah, I heard the, I heard the news about um, the other... Um, Brad Scott. Yep, Brad. Brad Scott, yeah. I was, I was thinking he might put his put his um, head in the water, you know, his head in the water, whatever you want to call it, and see if, if um, he'd be interested to have a bit of a talk. And if he didn't want to do it, I guess he could still go back to the AFL, but I think his heart set in into coaching. He might he's um he's, he's really really a coach if we if we all know. And um, he's got a good record and uh, I think that's a great decision by us. They wanted someone experienced. We don't want to go back to the hurts you know, being a neutral supporter I guess arch arch rival one of the arch rivals yesterday in Richmond, Carlton scenario. But um as a fo- football follower, I think that's a great decision. 
we couldn't go back to the herd scenario because we don't know. There's always got to be some ruffling of feathers here and there. And this guy is going to be there four years. I reckon, I reckon a couple of years. That just surprised um, if the two Scots have got their sides in the finals. And then you've got Boss, there's another Brisbane boy. And uh, McRae Connell, imagine if those four all go in the finals. That'll be like the Brisbane Mafia. Uh, a little bit, Nick. Of course, they all uh, came up under the tutelage of Lee Matthews for the most part. Uh, appreciate your call. Um, yeah, we had a text through from AG earlier that next year there'll be seven players who played in the 2004 Grand Final. Uh, of course, Craig McRae, uh, who's coaching Collingwood, Michael Voss, who's coaching Carlton, Chris Scott, who's coaching Geelong, Brad Scott, now coaching Essendon. Uh, and I'm missing one, uh, but Damien Hardwick, who's uh, coaching Richmond, uh, Adam Kingsley, who's going to be coaching the Giants. Uh, who's the seventh one? Who am I missing? I had them all before. I, I, I read them out before. Um, and now I've just gone blank. There's a seventh former Lion who played in that grand final who's coaching a club somewhere. And now it's going to do my head in. I'm going to have to go back and have a look. I had them written down somewhere before. Um, but just speaking about uh, just speaking about Brad Scott... Um, some of the details coming through. Uh, it is a four-year deal, according to um, according to Mark Robinson and Jay Clark on the Herald Sun website. A four-year deal worth somewhere between three point five and four million. So, by uh, according to Robbo and Jay Z Clark, Essendon footy boss Josh Marnie had an initial discussion with Scott about three weeks ago, but those talks were parked until the end of the AFL season. So, given that he was the AFL operations boss. Had to get through the year. He was interviewed officially on Thursday before the coaching subcommittee finalised their recommendation and presented to the board later that day. The board fully endorsed the appointment uh, and it was all signed off on. So that was, you know, lickety split quite quick, wasn't it? Uh, in the end, um, from interview to appointment, um, but they had been speaking uh, previously um, informally in the build-up uh, to that um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Um, earlier today on uh, Trade Radio, uh, the Brad Scott conversation was held on the late trade uh, with Damien Barrett, Matt Rendell, and Steve Silvani. Just uh, asking the question about given what Brad's been doing for the last few years uh, under Steve Hocking and now as the uh, operations boss uh, at the AFL. That would he? What kind of advantage would that give him um, above and beyond what other senior coaches? might come in to a job with. I, I know that his level of exposure to the footy clubs um, from from the very next season, 2020, when he worked under Stephen Hawking at the AFL, there's no one better to work under in any form of football than Stephen Hawking. He obviously helped Stephen Hawking formulate the, the rules that ultimately made the game a better spectacle this year. He's, um, he's well-connected, he's well-respected, he, he's tapped in in the past two years to all the footy clubs. And, and while he was doing that for the, for the role he had as, as head of football at the AFL, um, clearly he was able to get the, the spin-off bonus of that, of being able to access a lot of other clubs' systems and, and intel. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would argue that he's you know, gained from, from being outside the coaching system in the role that he's had in the, in the time that he has been outside the, the system. And you think you get a, a far more rounded person. I mean, even just the administrative <laughs> role that the, the head of football is at the AFL would also, I would imagine, smooth out some I, other issues as well. I, I just think the IP that he's going to bring to to the Bombers. Mm. Um, I'm not saying, like, he, he, he oversees the footy department and he oversees other clubs, 
So he's got access to a whole lot of range of things that no other coach in the competition would have access it's to. It's a really good point. He knows what, what players are getting paid. 100%. Now, whether he's, whether, <laughs> sorry, he's got access to that. Now, whether he's well, actually no, got no longer, sort of, no longer. As of right now. Yeah. yeah. But yes, he he's got the ability, or has had the ability, to find out exactly to the to the decimal point what players are getting and where the bodies are buried, and where the bodies, and, 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 what, and what their caps are, and who's buried them, and <laughs> who's in trouble, and who's in trouble. You, well, you and Matty always know that, and you tell our listeners what that is. But no, no, I'm, yeah. I'm more so the the the, the, um, the TPP payments, like yeah. salary caps, yeah. So, yep. um, look, but that shouldn't... Look, he's... he's <laughs> well, he'd never, well, we never use that sauce. Oh. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Not until he steps into the joint. No, but it's it's all part of it, isn't it? And it's uh, it's why it's... I, I think it's a, a very inspired choice uh, now, now that it's done and, and now that um, he's been able to... I think cleverly too, just not bother with those early stages of the, the process and just wait for the grand final to be out in the way and then have basically one serious conversation after that and, uh, and be uh, appointed... That was Damien Barrett with Matt Rendell and Steve Silvani on the Late Trade, uh, part of Trade Radio. Uh, you can tune in every day uh, via the AFL app. So the seven coaches who are all in the 2004 Grand Final. Now, off the text, I know Damien Hardwick isn't a former Lion. We were talking about the seven coaches that will be coaching next year that all played in the 2004 Grand Final. So Damien Hardwick was with Port Adelaide. Adam Kingsley was with Port Adelaide. For the Brisbane Lions, uh, Chris Scott, Brad Scott. Michael Voss, who's now at Carlton, and Craig McRae. The seventh one, who was just escaping me momentarily, at the Gold Coast Sun, Stuart Dew. So three Lions and three power players from that 04 grand final side. Justin Lepich is an assistant coach at the Pies, but has previously been a senior coach. It was doing my head in, and uh, it finally occurred to me, and I got a text through uh, as well. Uh, saying Stevie Jew, but I think that meant to say Stewie Jew. Uh, speaking of Steve's, there's one in Malvern who's calling. Hello, Steve. G'day, how are you going? Good, mate. You want to speak coaching? Yeah, coaching. I've got another one for you, and that's uh, Lukey Powers, assistant coach at Carlton that's helping boss. Yes, he is. So there's another one for you. Very good man, the, Luke um, He's a, he's a champion and, and, a, and a very a good man. a really, yeah. really good development coach uh, as well. Yeah, so, I, look, I think that the, the, the grounding, apart from Lee Matthews, I think, I mean, you could really go back to um, even the Fitzroy Lions. I mean, they had... Uh, you can even go back to Paul Ruse, um, <coughs> uh, Sydney, who was a champion. It probably should have got a Brownlow medal as a quarterback at the Fitzroy Lions. And, of course, Ross Lyon was his teammate, who was the coach at Fremantle, too. So... The, the culture at the, the Lions, I just think, um, is terrific. They've always been level-headed and, and generally like good people at the Lions. Well, yeah, I mean, they've had a, a tremendous impact on football after they've played. Certainly the players that have come through under Lee Matthews, and that's not uncommon. Um, you know, the, the Hawthorne Premiership years um, through the 80s and then 91, I mean, there was a ton of, a ton of coaches that came through that had played in, in those sides. Uh, when you go through the list, it's incredible uh, that came from, we call it the Yabby Jeans and maybe even the, the, the John Kennedy Senior um, 
Alan Joyce as well as a coach uh, for a couple of those. But, um, yeah, the, the, the coaches that came through from that, there's a big list of them uh, as well. Uh, thanks for the call, Steve. Greatly appreciated. Um, big second hour to come. We'll tidy up this hour on the other side of this and then we'll talk NBL season opener with Pete Hooley at 9 o'clock. There is some NBL news that I'll share with you in just a moment as well before we chat to Pete Hooley. This is the Sporting Capital, SEN. I mean, I've played in the NBL a few years now and I don't... The, the, uh, the NBL refs, uh, look, I don't want to talk bad on them, but they're not, they're not great. But you know what? It's all good. We, we have to just deal with that. that. They're doing their thing and we can't let that get in the way of our um, progress. We all know what they're like. I, I hope they're trying to get better, but, you know, as we all are. But, you know, who knows? We, we can't control that. So let's control what we can. That's uh, Melbourne United's Isaac Humphreys. Uh, speaking to Dwayne Russell yesterday um, when Dwayne asked him about the amount of big man fouls that are paid during MEL games. And in the MEL games I've called as well, it is very noticeable. Any time that the big bodies collide in any way, shape or form, you hear the whistle go. So it was a, it was a fair question from Dwayne about um, whether it's the overcalling of fouls uh, by the refs uh, when it comes to the big men in the paint uh, in the NBL. And that was Isaac Humphrey's answer uh, to that question. The NBL have just released a statement to say that Melbourne United player Isaac Humphreys has been handed a sanction for breaching the NBL Code of Conduct. Humphreys has been fined $1,500 with 500 suspended, so a $1,000 fine. After comments made about the NBL referees in the media, so short and sweet that statement, but uh, if you were curious as to what might unfold after those comments from Isaac Humphreys, well... It's a $1,500 fine with 500 of that suspended. Uh, A-League season starts next week. Uh, Melbourne City Football Club, the City 5 membership, five general admission tickets to use any way you like throughout the season. MelbourneCityFC.com.au. Follow the links to the membership. And don't forget, Maccas on your team is back, supporting local community sporting clubs across Victoria and Tasmania. Uh, head to mcdonalds.com.au slash Maccas on your team. Download the Cinefly app, submit your video application. 150 grant, 53 grants available, 500 participants or less. Back after this. Uh, you know you're a very important member of the team when they don't even schedule your show openers for you. You've just got to quickly fire them off yourself. <laughs> hey, great to have your company. A big hour to come uh, on the Sporting Capital. Looking forward to chatting to you about anything that's on your mind or anything that tickles your fancy. Just put a bee in your bonnet or that you need to get off your chest. one 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Uh, you can text in at any stage to 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Uh, and we are very serious about sport. Uh, so it's a very good match. Uh, is the 40 Winks temper text line uh, with SEN. Australia uh, comfortably up uh, to the tune of 15 points at the moment. Uh, three and change left to play in the second quarter in their quarterfinal match against Belgium, 43-28. to 28, The Aussies in complete control there. Um, NBL season starts uh, tomorrow night. Cannot wait for this. Um, every year I think we say this over the last few seasons, but um, it's shaping up to be the biggest uh, NBL season on record, the the competition goes from strength to strength to strength. It is in as good a position 
uh, as it has been. Sorry, Saturday it starts, uh, October 1st. The Melbourne Phoenix are hosting the Tassie Jack Jumpers. So the two newest teams in the competition will go head-to-head to kick off the season. One man's name who I was very, very happy to see uh, in the press release today by the NBL talking about all the new voices that are joining the NBL broadcast team. But as long as this man's voice is there, with a couple of others as well, uh, Pete Hooley, uh, then I'm a very happy man. Uh, Pete, hello, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, it's been a little while since you and I spoke. You know, we used to host an NBL show together once upon a time, you and I. We did, and uh, I used to enjoy getting in <laughs> and shooting it up and, and having a chat about everything that's going on. Uh, so, very exciting. Just to, first and foremost, the, the new colleagues that you've welcomed uh, into the NBL call team, uh, it's just going from strength to strength and therefore needs uh, a bigger roster. So, our favourites are there, of course, Andrew Gaze, Leonard Copeland, Corey Homicide-Williams, your good self, Shane Heald, Damian Martin, uh, the man I think is the best basketball caller in the country, Jack Heverin, uh, of course, and then you've got Nearly Meadows and, uh, and Derek Rucker, Brad Rosen, Damon Lowry, John Casey, um, Matty Russell, Joe Healy, um, Drew Jones as well, uh, Jenny Screen, of course, but they've added some new voices, um, Joey Montagna. Um, Saints great, over 300 games, uh, calling the pants off AFLW games, AFL games, but now dipping his toe in the basketball water. He's joining the team alongside Aaron Phillips, uh, a dual sports superstar, former WNBA champion and uh, an AFLW champion. There's Adam Gibson, Alison Nicholson's going to call games, Annalie Maley, Beck Cole, Brett Maher and, and Joel Peterson, who's a Bendigo boy, who's going to call some of the action as well. Exciting times, Pete. Yeah, it is. Uh, I saw the release, and I uh, haven't had a whole lot to do with the with the new names yet, but I'm excited to definitely get in there. It's going to be a fun season, and I think they've got a few different. I think they've got a few different things planned in terms of how the broadcasts will run. A bit different to years past, so looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Um, given that Isaac Humphreys has just been offered a fine for his view on the state of the referees, did you want to roll the dice on that one as well, mate? Oh, I, I didn't actually. I thought he, I thought he was a bit, bit, bit tough there. I thought he might have got stitched up a little bit, but that's, uh, it's, I guess, it's the way it has to be when you when you're a player and um, when you talk about the referees. I think that uh, I think they've got better each year. To be honest, yeah, I remember when I first yeah. came to the league, uh, where, where they were at. I think they're continually learning, like the rest of the league, and the coaches' challenge helps. And uh, I think the actual stats of the coaches' challenge last year were that the, the referees were correct, an overwhelming majority yes. of the time. Yes. Uh, so there's there's one side of it, but the, the big question I think going into this year, which Isaac was probably discussing was the big man. And that's something that's it's, it's always changed, I think, for the referees. And uh, it would be hard to do to change from year to year. You remember when Bogut came in and now Baines has come in. So the big guys are a lot stronger than, than us little guards. So a lot of it is, well, Baines is the strongest player in the league now. What is he? What can he get away with just based on his strength compared to maybe those more agile bigs like an Isaac Humphreys who aren't as strong as, as Baines? So I, I don't envy them. That's a tough job to have to do, but someone has to do it. And the other thing that I, I think as well when it comes to the refs is I've noticed uh, from the games that I've called that the, the big improvement since they installed a core group as full-time referees, I think that the, the, the standard jumped up noticeably from that point and will only get better as, as they help the other guys uh, develop as well. So, um, I, and I think this year too, 
um, essentially, Dwayne calls it the uh, the implementation of the stand rule. But just explain the new rule in regards to the charge circle for those who aren't aware as we head into the season, please, Peter Hooley. Well, basically, yeah, the, the, we, for so long, the charge circle underneath the hoop was put in a few years ago that if, if you're in there, if you have a foot touching uh, that circle and there's an airborne player, that it, it's a no call. But now it's going to be called a block. So if you have any foot touching that charge circle and someone... Uh, comes and makes contact with you as they're going up for a lap or a dunk, you're going to get uh, a foul against you, which I think is great because of the athletes that we have in the NBL and the athletes that continue to come in. We want to see dunks. We want to see players who aren't afraid to come down the lane and try and throw it down on other players' heads. And uh, if you're bold and bold enough to get in there and, and want to put your body on the line, then you've got to be prepared to either take off from a lot further out or just get out of the poster. So the image that comes to mind straight away is Mitch Creek on Matthew Delavadova last year in the one of the dunks of the year. Right, that's, and that's yeah, exactly right when, when, when you're backing back. And I think a lot of it is you see players beat someone off the dribble at the top of the, the key or, or in the corner, and that helps side defender who comes across and just tries to put their body on the line late to take a charge. You're basically saying you've got to be there way earlier to meet them outside the circle, or you've just got to try and meet them in the air to make a highlight play. So... I think it'll take a little bit of getting used to, but it's going to be great for the game and great for the highlights. Uh, all right. You've written your full season analysis. Where's your team at for NBL 23? Before we just go through and get a little bit from you on each team as we head into the season, how good has the off-season been from a recruiting point of view when you look at some of the names that have come either back to the league or into the league? I mean, you don't have to look much further than Aaron Baines. Uh, who's an NBA champion in his own right with the Spurs, um, with the injury that he, the freak injury he sustained with Australia uh, at the Olympics. And now he's back and has been killing it in the NBL Blitz. He'll suit up for the Brisbane Bullets with Tyler Johnson, who's got a ton of NBA experience. I think most recently he was with the Brooklyn Nets. That's just one team. And every team's gone out there and got world-class imports or, or players onto their roster. Yeah, they have. I think, look, at the start when... Uh, we lost a lot of big names, and we've seen it for the last few years where the Asian market just pays uh, such big money that really can't be matched anywhere else outside the NBA that we're losing some of our, our big talent. And then we see guys like Delhi and Jack White get the NBA looks, and they look like we were losing some major talent. But then the influx, I mean, the imports you mentioned, there's going to be some incredible imports throughout the league. I think the majority of teams have elected to go with three imports, which means they're using all the maximum spots. Uh, and then we've got some high-quality uh, local talent that are still here and the young guys coming through. So, as you said, it, the NBL's never been in a better position, and I'm looking forward to seeing that continue to grow this year. All right, uh, let's just go through a little bit uh, in alphabetical order, Pete Hooley, uh, because people should make sure they read the detailed article, nbl.com.au, where your team is at for NBL 23. Um, let's start with the 36ers. So, a couple of people have already heard tip the 36ers, as a real championship contender. Why? I mean, they've just absolutely reloaded. By far, they've got the most talented roster on paper, 1 through 12 or 1 through 11. Uh, they've got every piece they need. Two proven imports in Robert Franks in Cleveland and made the switch to go down to Adelaide. Mitch McCarron looks re-energised. They've got some youngsters. Kai Soto ready to really take his game to a new level, and I've got a really good bench unit as well. So they've got by far the most talent, but can they put it all together? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, Craig Randall, I, I read in your article, in the G League, 26.7 points per game, uh, and in your terms, a walking bucket. 
Um, so they've got, you know, they were uh, seventh for scoring last year. They look like they've really um, improved in that offensive output. And when you've got a guy handling the rock like Mitch McCarron, uh, he's going to find him. Yeah, he is. Craig Randall, I think he's going to be a lot of a, the make or break for their season because he can score at such an incredible clip. But how often do they need that as, as a team when you've got so much talent around? I, I think if they have anyone that averages over 17 to 18 points a game, I don't think they're as successful as they could possibly be just because of how deep they are. All right, what about my Brisbane Bullets, please? Uh, Aaron Baines we've spoken about, Tyler Johnson we've spoken about, but um, they re-signed Nathan Sobey, which was an important piece to that. Um, what, are you ex- what are your expectations for the Bullets? Well, firstly, we need to know, are you, have you got your Bullets hat on yet or are you waiting a few rounds before you pull that one out? I've actually got my Callaway hat on uh, at the moment. Uh, hello and oh, thank oh, you to the very good people at Callaway. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, if you haven't used your Callaway Chrome Soft the- Ball, by the way, um, you, you're wasting your time. Um, oh. you, you get that ball and you're automatically a better golfer. I oh, will be putting the Bullets hat on for the season opener, but where do you think they're at? Oh, I think, look, they've, they've just taken leaps and bounds since last year. The, the style of play alone is contrastingly different to what we saw in the last couple of years. I think it's an unselfish style. It's heavily focused on the defensive end. and uh, It's really fun to watch the way they go about it. The only concern, again, is going to be health. Nathan Sobey's injury isn't one of those injuries that you just rest and, and become good all of a sudden. He's kind of going to have to be nursed through the season at times. So how that works out for them is going to be a bit of a juggle. So your expectation on them? I would say top three, I would say, I reckon. There we go. That's what I like. Um, Cairns Taipan. So on the rebuild, they've got an exciting group of players. Uh, Adam Ford is is as passionate a coach um, as you will see. Uh, I I loved this last year, and you mentioned in your article that he was willing to take a pay cut to keep a couple of his uh, favourite players. Um, It's only a couple of years ago that Cairns were a top four side. Um, They've fallen off a cliff pretty steeply, but... Um, can they start the rebuild and work their way back up the uh, NBL ladder this year? Well, yeah, it'll be tough. I mean, they've only got two players who have played over 70 NBL games, so they're very young, but they're going to be exciting to watch. They're actually probably going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch, and uh, if it's not your team playing, they're going to be one that you want to tune in with because of how fun and, and fast they're going to play. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. If they're making those threes, they're going to be a chance to beat anyone. But if they don't or have one of those nights where it's not all going their way, they could find themselves on the on the bad end of a, a pretty brutal loss. So we'll see how it goes. I think they're going to be fun to watch, but I don't expect them to really give us finals a massive shake this year. Uh, Illawarra were top four side last year. They've lost some. They've gained some. Um, it's hard to get a gauge on are they a better team on paper going into this year than they were last year or... Um, has what they brought in sort of balanced out what they lost? Oh, it definitely hasn't balanced out. I think they've had by far the most turnover since last season in terms of their key pieces, losing four of their five best players. Uh, they brought in a young guard from America, Justin Robertson, who is going to be really, really fun to watch. He's one you can look at for potentially an all-NBL-type season. Uh, they've got a couple of other guys who are looking for those second chances or coming back from injuries in Mango Mathiang and Deng Deng. Uh, if they play defence, uh, Jacob Jacobus, who's taken over from Brian Gorgian, he knows how important it is on the defensive end. So, look, I think it'll be tougher than years past, but they've got enough pieces there. If things click, they'll, they'll be fun to watch. 
Uh, we're speaking to Pete Hawley, uh, NBL champion in his own right and a massive part of the NBL broadcast team, uh, which got announced today. Uh, you can find all the details on the NBL website, but his, his comprehensive season preview is there as well uh, before the opening tip-off between the South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Tassie Jack Jumpers at John Kane Arena Saturday night. Melbourne United, so speaking of teams with big turnover, um, they, they lose big... In places, Melbourne United, obviously Matthew Delavadova, one of those off the back of, he's gone back to the, the NBA, the Sacramento Kings, giving him a lifeline. The year before, it was Jock Landale uh, heading over. And um, this year, uh, he's with Phoenix now. Uh, and then Jack White has gone back to the NBA, oh, has got his first chance uh, in the NBA uh, as well with Denver. Have they brought in enough to cover them, Pete? What are your expectations for United uh, this season? Well, look, about uh, a week and a half ago, I think they would, would have been uh, having a big shake for, for the finals and especially the title. But losing their, their German next star, Aro Hukporti, yeah. to a ruptured Achilles in the blitz, I think definitely set them back a, a little way just because of, of he's irreplaceable. And the next star, he's not a roster player you can bring in. So they have to try and think about if they end up finding another piece, which I'm sure they're going to look at. That means someone else has to make way uh, for that to be able to bring someone in. But they've got Ray John Tucker, who's an excitement machine. If you're in Melbourne and you want to see some highlight plays and some dunks, mm. you've got to go and watch Ray John Tucker live. Chris Holding will do his thing. And I'm expecting once things start to click, Dean Vickerman knows how to get a team to click, they'll be contesting for a title. Yeah, Tucker, 39 NBA games, Utah, Philadelphia, Denver, and with the Milwaukee Bucks as well uh, of recent times. Um, New Zealand Breakers, they're... I mean, that, they're the quintessential box of chocolates, Forrest Gump style, aren't they? You never know what you're going to get um, with New Zealand. But, but the great recruit that they had, uh, Will McDowell-White, uh, is back, and that's a very, very good thing. He was phenomenal last year. Yeah, he, he's, he's set for a massive season, I think. He, he's been given the key to the offense. He's still so young. He's only 24 years old. Uh, but he knows it's kind of his opportunity to have a breakout year, and they're going to need him to do that, you know, Slotting into that starting point guard role full time, but lose they lost Tom Abercrombie in the blitz yeah. 46 seconds into their games. Got a poke in the eye from Big Aaron Baines and Tory's retina. So apparently the news coming out today is he's unable to fly for at least seven weeks. But they're optimistic that maybe he can play some home games before that. But really, you speak about certain guys that teams can't afford to lose. He was their number one, and it's going to be tough for them to try get things rolling without him. Yeah, one of the toughest defensive matchups uh, in the competition, just that length. He disrupts a lot of players, um, and, and including Bryce Cotton at times uh, as well over recent years. Uh, they get Isaiah Liafa back and Tom Vodanovic uh, returning home after they've been with South East Melbourne Phoenix and Sydney Kings, respectively. Well, uh, what about the Wildcats? They missed the finals for the first time in, was it 35 years last season? Yeah, it was. Yeah, look, I think you can pencil in now or pen in however you want to do it. It's not going to happen again. They'll be in finals this year. So I'm really taking over. Bryce Cotton's citizenship supposedly is coming this season, which we've heard for the last three years, but they've still got some nice pieces that they've recruited. And as long as Bryce Cotton's running around, you're always going to be contending for a title. Uh, talk to people about Brady Manek, because this guy was a bit of a cult figure in college basketball. Missed out on the draft, which I think surprised a few people, and he's decided that the NBL uh, is the way for him to get back on uh, the watch list for NBA teams. Yeah, look, he's going to be fun to watch. Uh, he is going to be a cult hero in terms of just the way he looks, but 
Uh, he's a he's a superb shooter. He plays the four spot, the power forward, and he's got such a quick release. Shoots over forty percent from three. So you combine that with what Bryce Cotton can do with the defense watching him, and I think he's in a really good spot to start his professional year. It might be a bit slow to get going once the season starts, but I think the biggest concern is just going to be on the defensive end because uh, you've got the likes of Xavier Cooks, Mitch Creek, Robert Franks, all these all these elite athletes in that four spot. How can he can maintain? Uh, them on the defensive end is going to be the big question mark. All right, just a couple more to go, Pete Hooley, and we very much appreciate your time. South East Melbourne Phoenix, they've been from essentially season two, they've been in and around the mark, um, didn't quite go their way in the second half of last year. Um, where do you see them finishing this year? Well, look, they've been dealt probably the hardest hand any pro sports team before the season starts has had to deal with in my in my opinion, they've four main guys on the offensive end, four main guys overall have been injured uh, and either out for the start of the season for a, a decent amount of time or maybe coming back just before round one. I think Mitch Creek's the only one who might be that game-time decision on Saturday. The rest, Trey Kell, Gary Brown, the two import backcourt, and Ryan Brockoff aren't healthy yet and will be out for a, a little bit longer. So it's been really unfortunate for them and they're going to have to trust their supporting cast, the locals, to get the job done. Joe Chi, they got him. United came pretty hard, but he's um, back and that's going to be a nice addition. When he was on, I mean, he was unstoppable at times uh, last year, so that will help uh, in a big way. What about the Sydney Kings? So, uh, won the title, uh, but then have lost some pieces um, as well. But they bring in some interesting pieces too. Justin Simon comes from uh, Illawarra and him and Xavier Cooks has got a nice look about it. Can the Kings, uh, are the Kings in contention to go back-to-back? Oh, they're definitely in contention. The way Chase Buford plays, uh, they're going to be fun to watch when they get up and about. They lost the three best imports in the league last year, the trio, probably. Yeah. Uh, especially the MVP, Jalen Adams. They bring Gary Walton Jr., who's got NBA experience. He's a, a strong chance to lead the league in assists. DJ Vasiljevic will take a step forward. And Xavier Cooks, well, he's had an incredible 12 months and he's uh, going to be an MVP contender, I'd say, by the end of the year. Yeah, it's a good call. And, and a lot of our players, too, that have gone over and spent part of the summer, whether it be, uh, well, the winter, playing in the NBL, uh, NBA Summer League as well, which will just a, a great experience for them to come back and bring what they learn and what they experience uh, back into the NBL. What about the Jack Jumpers? So the, one of the greatest stories in NBL history was them making uh, the, the grand final series in their first season in the competition. Um, it, was a, a who, it wasn't a who's who, the roster. It was a who's that. Um, and they just, with great culture and great passion and great team harmony and unity, um, they shocked the basketball world. Uh, have they got another big shock in them? Look, I think they do, strangely enough. Everybody's writing them off, and I, I went up at, to the Blitz in Darwin and had a look, and it just looks like they haven't skipped a beat. They, they want everybody to write them off because they love to play with their backs against the wall. You won't find a better example of what a team is than watching them play. Their imports seem to complement everybody else perfectly, and I think they're going to shock people once again. Well, Pete, um, every year at the start of the year, I get you to uh, give me who's winning the title uh, and who will be MVP, and we normally get you to do just about every other award as well, but why don't we start with title uh, and MVP? Title, I can't go past Adelaide just with that with that amount of talent. Uh, I think they've got proven imports who have changed scenery. I think Adelaide will win the title. MVP? 
It's hard not to say Bryce Cotton, but I'll shake it up and go Xavier Cooks. All right, I'm going to go Brisbane Bullets, Aaron Baines, double. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, why don't you throw in a Callaway driver as well for something? Uh, well, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind hanging on to mine, so uh, maybe some of the chrome softballs there as well. <laughs> hey, mate, you're an absolute star. Can't wait to see in action. Uh, the NBL season is upon us. It starts Saturday night um, with the South East Melbourne Phoenix up against the Tassie Jack Jumpers. Exciting times. NBL going from strength to strength. There's a new look broadcasting team. Uh, it's just um, all shaping up for a magnificent season. We'll chat to you throughout it. No worries, mate. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, Pete Hooley is a very, very good man. Uh, father to be as well. Um, love his work, Pete Hooley. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you're an NBL fan, uh, what are you looking forward to this season? Who are you uh, expecting big things from? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Australia comfortably at the moment, just uh, thirty seconds into the third quarter, thirty seven uh, fifty two. Of course, um, Adelaide as well are set to play some games uh, against some NBA teams, which we didn't get a chance to talk to Pete about. But the thirty sixes will play Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think there's a couple of others uh, as well. Uh, but we are right up to speed in terms of basketball. Uh, we'll turn our attention back to footy uh, on the other side of this on the Sporting Capital. Oh, what he's meant to, to the game, I think, and what, what he means to, to the Geelong Football Club, you can sort of see it out there. It doesn't matter who you, you bag for. Um, on, on Saturday, when you saw him holding up the Premiership Cup, and I I, uh, I did a video, I was out in the ground, did a video, because I want to see the reaction when he got called up, and I actually couldn't hear the announcer through the video because the crowd was that loud. Um, there was Sydney people cheering as well, which is tough to do after you just lost a grand final. But I think what, what he stands for... Um, you look at Joel, prior to a game, the biggest game um, of his career as captain, trying to be a premiership captain, and what he did for Levi Ablett just before, ran through the banner with him, and then post-game when he grabbed Sammy, um, brings him over the fence to, to bring in the excitement with, uh, with, with his team. I think that, that sums the bloke up, that either side of crossing that white line, uh, he's, such a, he's such a nice guy, but then can turn into such, a, such an animal, such a competitive beast who, you, the blokes like that are who you love playing against, because you know that you're not going to get an easy kick, and he's going to He's not going to back down. So the way he finished off, uh, I saw his family uh, after the game and you could sort of see the reaction of his partner and his mum. When he kicked that goal, the, the teary emotions, you could sort of see that something was on the cards. So no better way for, for a ripper like him to, to go out. I wonder if they can conjure a goal for the skipper with three and a half minutes to play. Hickey tapped it straight to Smith. Hand pass. Here it is. Selwood's onto it. Outside of the boot. Hangs it up. It floats. Oh, Captain! Luke Hodge into Gerard Whateley. Uh, Luke Hodge speaking about uh, his admiration for Joel Selwood, uh, who this week announced his retirement. But um, if you jump onto the SEN website, you'll have a read of Luke Hodge just talking about uh, his rivalry with Joel Selwood as well. Because if you remember back, they really liked to go uh, hammer and tongs at each other uh, whilst they played. I think they relished that physical altercation that used to come every time that they would uh, take the field. 
against each other. So well worth having a read of that uh, on the SEN website, uh, sen.com.au. Uh, it's a, a fantastic uh, tribute from Luke Hodge. And, and how's the call, Gerard Waitley, uh, of that signature moment, as he said, of Joel Selwood's goal, uh, just to cap off a perfect day for the Cats and a perfect ending to one of the greatest careers that we've ever seen uh, as, as a player, as a leader and as a footballing person and just as a human being from Joel Selwood. And any time you can get a Dead Poet Society reference in there, um, never has that been more apt, the oh, captain, my captain phrase. Paddy Dangerfield was on SEN, I think, twice today, um, and he spoke uh, about Joel Selwood as well. Um, but I'm also a strong believer if you're going to coach, you've got to experience a different environment. Mm. But I don't want him to go. So I, I hope he doesn't coach. I hope it's sort of, you know, administration in some capacity or it's, you know, it might be a different sport for a little bit and, and get a bit of an understanding around other sports. But I know we'd certainly love to keep him uh, as a footy club. But, you know, what he's done for, for me personally and the guidance he's given me and then you, 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 know, you brush a broad stroke over that for our organisation, uh, it's nothing short of remarkable. I Probably like you, I hated playing against him. Yeah. I wanted to rip his head off. <laughs> and then... You actually spend time with him and you think, this guy can't be real. This level of humility, humbleness, um, selflessness, it's like, uh, he makes everyone else look terrible because of just how selfless he is. So, um, you know, what a ride, what a journey. And for him to finish the way that he did, it's, you know, befitting the person that he is. Paddy Dangerfield speaking about Joel Selwood early today and what he hopes will be the next phase of Joel Selwood's uh, working life after he announced his retirement, uh, four premierships, uh, more games as captain than anyone, more finals than anyone in a career that started in uh, 2007 with a premiership in his first year and he finishes as a premiership in his last year uh, as captain. Um, Only 12 times that's happened, a premiership in your first and your last, but the next greatest distance between those was nine years, uh, not 16 uh, for Joel Selwood. It is an, as illustrious a career as you can get. Came close to a couple of Brownlows uh, as well. Um, just got to say too, uh, Paddy Dangerfield, um, for some is a, 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 a player in the game and a person in the game that, that, that can divide opinions because he has an opinion, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and especially, um, and that's who you want as the head of the, the, the players, as the president of the players association, um, as good a player as there is in the competition. And he spoke today about the, the, the mental, um, the mental coaching that he got, um, and has been undertaking. Uh, it was fascinating, uh, speaking to Gary and Tim earlier today, but can we just give him, a massive amount of kudos. Um, he and Kane Corns have had a quite a spirited little back and forth over the years um, and haven't missed each other at times and haven't been afraid to give each other a clip for various things that each other have done or said. And Paddy Dangerfield once dressed up as Kane Corns to go to a Mad Monday um, whilst playing at Geelong and Kane said, well done, all that was missing was the premiership medal. Uh, so that was a nice little bite back, clap back from Kane. But Paddy Dangerfield um, got in touch with Kane um, didn't say it publicly, just got in touch privately um, in the week leading up to the grand final and said, if we win the granny, I'll auction off my jumper and donate the proceeds to my room, which was the charity um, helping kids and families with cancer. Um, the Kane did the run from Adelaide to Melbourne with. It was a heroic effort from Kane. It raised uh, six-figure sums 
And Paddy Dangerfield, I heard Kane this morning saying that the jump was already up to about 20000 I haven't checked what it finally went for at auction, but that is a very, very generous gift. I mean, you could be forgiven for wanting to keep your premiership jumper in the first premiership you win, uh, maybe the only premiership that Paddy Dangerfield will win. You'd, you'd be, you would be forgiven for wanting to keep that to yourself and understood that you'd want to keep that to yourself. But to auction that off um, for that incredibly worthy cause just goes to speak to the human being that Paddy Dangerfield is uh, as well. And, and maybe that's some of the impact that Joel Selwood has, what he inspires others to do because of his generosity of what he has done as an ambassador for all kinds of causes in his AFL life. He was a Jim Stein's medalist this year, which they award to the person who um, has the most engagement and, and doing the most good for that season in the community. Um, he was the AFL's inaugural ambassador for um, people with disabilities. Um, and that's what happens when people like that come in. They, they, they inspire others to, 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 to be better and do better. Not saying that Paddy was a bad person or wasn't doing those things himself anyway, but I would imagine that you know, you go a bit extra and you do a bit more when you've got someone setting the example at that footy club that, that Joel Selwood did. So it deserves a massive pat on the back, uh, does Paddy Dangerfield. Just while we're speaking of Joel Selwood, before I finish up, I wanted to play you again um, the chat that I got to have with him um, not long after they'd sung the song In the Rooms um, on Grand Final Day. Um, it only goes for about two and a half minutes, but I thought we'd play it again given that he did announce his retirement uh, this week. Joel, I know you won't want to make this about you, no. but you've broken every record this year, Captain C. Michael Tuck's record, and now Premiership Captain. How does that sit with you? How does that feel? Oh, uh, yeah, it will sit with me well one day, but uh, it's not right now, Sammy. It's um, just been working with these boys for so long to get to this stage and um, just so proud of all of them. And I hope you've got around to them because they've, uh, they've all got a hell of a story. They absolutely do, and yours as well. Um, I was speaking to Troy before, and your brother, yeah, and uh, he said one of the things that makes him so proud of you, as we lose the mic, yep. is that everything you do these days is more about what it is in it for everybody else. Yeah. And that's part of what your evolution as a person and a captain's been, what you did with Levi Ablett. Even your post the other day about your and Brit's pregnancy, you got around other people, giving them hope if they're struggling in their journey, and my partner and I certainly did. Where do you feel like... And where, what is the captaincy and what has football done to you as a person? Uh, I come in as an 18-year-old boy and, um, yeah, at the footy club, they set it up that you go out as a better person. Um, just been on that journey. I've learned from so many good people along the way, little things. Couldn't have gone to a better footy club, to be honest. You know, the leaders and how well we've been set up um, throughout the journey. Uh, to be honest, I just, I've... I could count the number of bad days if you were to sum it all up on one hand, you know, in the 16 years to date. Um, just just love coming to work, trying to get them better, and then you learn little things along the way. But we hope to do things well, but we always, we're not, we're, we're just not sitting on our laurels to... I want you to go off and enjoy this, but what about this are you most proud of above all else? I've just looked at these boys and I just thought that they would be premiership players for a while, like... And we've been knocking down the door. Uh, we, we've been a little bit, uh, you know, I shouldn't say unlucky because that would get me in trouble. But, you know, it's been we've had some little tough periods where we haven't been able to put it all together um, towards the end. We've heard about it, um, but we've always believed. We come back to training. We want to make sure that we don't have as... Uh, we don't want to waste any sessions that we go to or waste less than what the other sides are doing. So I just work with some unbelievable people. We'll go and enjoy it with those Thanks, unbelievable Sammy. people. Thank you, mate. Thank you, brother.
He's a very good man, isn't he? Uh, what he's done for the game as a player, as a leader and as a person. It was once said to me by uh, Gordon Tallis that every player's responsibility when they get to play at the highest level of whatever sport that it is, it's everyone's responsibility when they come into this game to leave it better than when they found it. And I don't know of many players who could tick that box and have ticked that box as thoroughly and as comprehensively as Joel Selwood has. Um, congratulations on an incredible career. And we know that you won't be lost to footy and whatever involvement that he has in football from this point on will be to football's benefit, just as his whole career has been in every facet of it. We'll wrap up the Sporting Capital on the other side of this. Uh, just a couple little things to finish off with. Uh, best clubman at the Kaji Greaves Medal Night for the Geelong Footy Club. Tom Atkins has been awarded the Best Clubman Award winner um, as they're getting into their uh, end-of-season awards. Um, they wouldn't have sl- had any momentum uh, slowed up at all, would they? Uh, Thursday, had their Mad Monday. They might have had a Tuesday and a Wednesday off and now into the, uh, the awards night. So uh, the best and fairest. So there we go. Uh, and just this from Dean Solomon, I noticed this. Part of the Herald Sun article, they put this up when I was reading about the details of um, Brad Scott becoming the, the new Essendon coach. Uh, formal interview for the first time today, ratified by uh, the board, signed off on and announced officially this evening as the new coach of the Essendon Football Club. According to Mitch Cleary from Channel 7, they'd been speaking for the last few weeks, but put that, I'd been speaking uh, a few weeks ago, put it on hold for the season to finish. But I like this from Dean Solomon, um, Essendon Premiership player. Congratulations to Brad Scott on becoming the senior coach of the Essendon Footy Club. From a personal point of view, I want to say how proud I am of my great mate James Hurd. For him to be even in a space which allowed him to, to apply for this role, that is most important to me. Hashtag courage. So congratulations already coming through uh, from a former teammate of James Hurd and an uh, Essendon Premiership player um, to Brad Scott. So that's been pretty well received. Um, Hey, free agency opens up tomorrow, so uh, you won't want to be anywhere else other than SEN and Trade Radio. We'll see you on both of those tomorrow. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.